Hi, I'm Kim Kuklitz, and I'm the founder of Stance. And I'm Sarah Zanbergen. I'm the ambassador for Stance, and this is the Take Back Talk Back podcast. We're here to open real conversations about women, finance, and confidence. At Stance, we want women to confidently take ownership of their finances through open and informative conversations like this. So something we really want for the Stance podcast is to tackle taboo topics. So today we're going to talk about a really taboo four-letter word. That's right. You heard me. Will. Shocking, right? Well, it is for me. What about you, Sarah? Absolutely. And I hear a lot of these things all the time and I say them to myself. I don't have assets. I don't have a house. I don't have kids. So I don't need a will, right? Today, we're talking about why everyone should have a will, and we're breaking down the barriers which quite often only exist in our own minds. So today we have two guests for the price of one. We are so pleased today to have with us Aaron Burry. Aaron is a marketer, technology expert, and entrepreneur who was named one of Marketing Magazine's top 30 under 30. She is the CEO of Willful, an estate planning startup. And we have Lise Wilcox. Lise is a professional human, speaker, writer, and coach. Lise has been incredibly candid about her experience being diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 37. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming on Take Back, Talk Back. Thank you. We're so excited to be here. We're excited too. So let's dive right in and let's be real. No one wants to talk about their death or think about their death, and not especially in the midst of a global pandemic. I know for me, I keep on pushing the thought out of my head and just look up cute cats on Instagram, but this is really something we need to talk about, right? I couldn't agree more, Sarah. I'm, I'm in the same boat. But Aaron, you have a tough job. I mean, you talk about death every day, a subject everyone actively avoids, and it's not top of mind for obvious reasons. So twofold. Tell us, how do you keep positive and not have it impact your mental health? And how can our listeners learn from you? It's a great question. I mean, I actually would say I don't talk about death every day. What I talk about is peace of mind. Uh, I think we've really tried to frame the conversation around death and make it more about legacy and the positive aspects of passing on. We know that we're all going to pass away someday. And yes, we all avoid it. A very 2020 joke, we avoid it like the plague, thinking about it. And a lot of people I find actually think that by acknowledging or thinking about death, they're somehow hastening it or inviting it into their own life. So, you know, very early on when we were tackling uh, estate planning with our company, we decided to focus on the lighter side of it, the legacy, the peace of mind. And it's interesting because you're right. I do think about and talk about death every single day. Uh, and, you know, it's actually made me feel more empowered about it. I've had the conversations with my parents about their funeral and burial wishes. I know what I would do when that happens. I've talked about it with my husband, who's also my co-founder. And so, yes, it can be scary to think about, and it doesn't make it less scary for me because I talk about it more. But it makes me feel better knowing that if someone close to me passed away, I'd know what to do and how to honor their legacy. And that if I passed away, I would have reduced the burden on my loved ones by compiling the information and having the conversations that will make them empowered at a time when they are already going through something difficult. Wow, that was beautifully put. And I like the way that you, you're approaching that um, and making it that 
you're right. It's not something that that has to be a bad topic or something that brings anxiety to people. You recently put out a video on TikTok putting to rest some of the common misconceptions about estate planning. I love that you're embracing social media and using visuals certainly make it easier to digest and make this subject a lot more approachable. What are some of the main misconceptions? Because I'm sure there's a lot of them, but the main ones that are out there surrounding a will. Yeah, well, I mean, my use of TikTok is also just to make me still feel young because I am now in my mid-30s. And so I got to keep in, on top of what the young kids are doing these days. But uh, but to your point, it really was about trying to reduce some of the barriers to, to talking and thinking about estate planning. When I talk to people, they just have no clue what goes into creating a will, why you need one. Even earlier in the conversation, I think it was Sarah who said, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have any assets, so why would I need a will? So some of the misconceptions that I hear are, you know, I only need a will when I'm old or when I'm rich. And in reality, a will just isn't about allocating your assets. If you're a pet owner, if you have a child, uh, it can help you to assign people to take care of them. But it also just assigns an executor, which is someone who wraps up your estate. And without a will, it just makes that process a lot more complicated and burdensome on your family. I also hear a lot that, you know, I can only create a will by visiting a lawyer. And in reality, what makes a will legal is that it's created by you and how it's signed and witnessed. And there actually isn't any requirement in Canadian law to visit a lawyer. So it can be more accessible uh, and less expensive than people think. And then I think just the time it takes. People think that creating a will is going to require hours of compiling tax returns and financial statements. And, and I always try to, to bust that myth and say that a will is really a simple legal document. It adheres to your umbrella estate, everything you own. And sitting down to do your will is as simple as knowing a few decisions about who you want your things to go to and who you want to take care of dependents when you pass away. But you don't actually need even one bank statement to sit down and do it. And it can take as little as 20 minutes. So those are some of the the key ones that I hear. Phew. I'm feeling better already and I'm 53. So you know what? What did you say you were? 33? I almost fell off my chair. Lise, you've been really public about your journey of getting a will following a cancer diagnosis. And I think it's amazing uh, that you're so open to talk about this stuff. But really, what was that like? I'm a self-actualization and embodiment coach, which means I work so deeply with women and men talking about, you know, it sounds so trite and it isn't talking about feelings, really getting to the core of what do you feel? And when we're so in tune with what our feelings are, we can embody the fact that our feelings are just feedback. And that feedback is consistently giving us insights as to what still needs to be healed. So using that professional lens, I can tell you when we're talking about death and reframing that conversation, it's like for anybody listening, I have like the shocker of a lifetime for you. You are going to die like this ends at some point. And I think we work so hard to not talk about it and not talk about illness and not talk about end of life. We don't want to talk about any of the uncomfortable stuff because it doesn't make us feel good. So for me, this is an incredibly valuable conversation to have because I want to be the one that helps people go into their darkest, most shadowy places and bravely turn on the light. As someone who was a single, self-employed mother of three who kind of accidentally got breast cancer in her mid-30s, I can tell you also firsthand personally, this is a, a wildly important conversation to have because we have to normalize that this is a part of the process. 
And unless we actually tap into the normalcy of how like how, how normal this stuff is, how to best prepare ourselves, how to take the awkwardness or the discomfort away and really step into the power of being prepared, it's so empowering, which means that to not share this conversation, to keep it hidden, to repress it and add shame on top of it is really phenomenally disempowering. I can totally understand um, what you're saying. And as it relates to your diagnosis, I, I was also diagnosed earlier this year with cancer. And let me tell you something, it threw me for a loop. What it did is you start looking at your life and you look at things in a, in a different lens. Things mean more to you and you pay attention. And where I'm going with this is that I had a will and, well, it was sort of sitting in limbo. But after my diagnosis, everything changed and, well, it put the fire under my you-know-what to get it done. So, well, and thank you for being so open and vulnerable in sharing that because these are the conversations that we need to have. It sounds almost funny to me now because I remember at the time saying to my family, like, I'm just not going to tell anybody. Um, I'm not going to go on Instagram. Like, I've built my entire business via Instagram. And I was like, I guess I just won't go on Instagram for like the next 12 to 18 months, right? I'll just like keep it a secret because there were, that was the inclination, the gut feeling of like, oh, it is not safe to talk about this. And that's that's critical. It is. And I, I think what comes with that is that this, this notion that... Um, if you get cancer, for example, it, ha it has to mean a certain thing. It's like this algorithm, right? You get cancer and then steps A, B, C, D, and E happen. Or, you know, what, contextually, if you're writing a will, okay, it means that X has happened and you respond with A, B, C, D, and E. It's not true. It's about making this experience your own. I just want to be in my home with my music, figuring out my will, and suddenly it's like, oh my God writing a will came joyful. The cancer experience, opening up, having the conversation and being like, okay, what does this mean for me? What can I, what can I control? How do I give myself permission to walk down the street and be like, I've never noticed how bright it is out here. What a beautiful gift I've now taken from it. It's like, there is no should, there is no shame. There's only doing the stuff that makes you feel good and empowered and bringing pleasure and passion back to your unique experience single day, no matter what no matter what the context is. I love there is no should, there is no shame. And okay, I'm now 38 and I don't yet have a will. I can say that and I can confidently say that and say, you know what though, I'm learning about it and I'm gonna get one. And, and there shouldn't be any shame like, why did you wait so long? Or why did you, you, you know, it doesn't matter because everybody's journey is different. It's okay to ask questions and it's okay to not know everything all the time. Um, and also, I wanted to say that Lise talking about, I think I read, I believe it was a blog post you did for Willful that talked about your experience of actually writing the will. And this is obviously in the before times. Um, <laughs> and you, you talked about writing your will in your sweatpants. And I remember reading it and being like, well, that sounds cozy. And now I mean, live life in sweatpants. Um, no more hard pants. And <laughs> so everything is different. So I feel like, and again, why do we have to take a full day off work and go to a stuffy lawyer's office and, and have that concept of, oh, but it's going to be really expensive just to protect our future. So I guess either Aaron or Elise, like, can you talk about the experience of you know, doing that and how the experience is so much easier uh, through Willful. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, a big part of my job is educating people about why they need a will, because it tends to be something that people procrastinate because it's just human nature. And not just because it's an uncomfortable topic, but also because there is no deadline. I'm a journalism grad and I don't do anything without a deadline. And unfortunately, you don't know exactly when you're going to need a will, when it's going to come into effect. So it just tends to be one of those things that gets pushed down the to-do list. And I think empowering people with information can really help them to not only understand why they should be doing it, but help them through the process. Because as I said, a lot of folks, uh, you know, don't even know the questions that they should be asking. Uh, And so really the approach that we've taken with Willful is it's a very opaque process. It can be as quick as 15 to 20 minutes. And it really is that approach of a helpful hand that guides you through the process instead of relying on you when you don't know what you don't know as a user of, of that intention, like mission accomplished, you know, it almost makes it, this is kind of the wrong word, but it almost makes it playful, right? It almost makes it sexy, which is like, this is millennial to the max. It's taking something that nobody (laughs) wants to talk about and nobody wants to deal with. And it's like, Oh, right. I could like, what if, what if it were just easy for me? And again, to underline, I did that as a single self-employed mother of three who had a, like a spontaneous breast cancer diagnosis. So it was like, if that could be easy and dare I say pleasurable and like almost a tiny little bit fun to do, I think that speaks volumes as to what an incredibly powerful tool this is for Canadians. Definitely. So I have a question and, and this is my, my curiosity knocking at the door. So this is super easy process, but I think a lot of people ask, and Erin, you touched on this in the beginning, but don't you still have to register a will through a lawyer? I think that's what a lot of people ask. Yeah, it's a great question. And we do get that all the time. I'd say the most common question that we get about willful is, is this legit? Is this legal? Do I need to go to a lawyer? And I always tell people, you know, what makes a will legal in Canada? Each province has its own legislation that governs wills and estates, but it's true across Canada. What makes a will legal is that it's created by you. So you can't have someone do it for you. I like outsourcing things, but unfortunately, this is one of those things that you can't. Uh, You have to have the mental capacity to make a will to understand its contents and implications. And then you have to sign it in the presence of two people who don't benefit from the will who also sign the document. So essentially, you know, it's the create how it's created by you with capacity and how it's signed and witnessed that makes it legally valid. But you can actually make a will by visiting a lawyer, absolutely, which might be the most uh, comprehensive choice and, and the one that's right for you. Uh, but you can also take pen to paper and write what's called a holograph will, which is legal almost everywhere in Canada uh, and the only type of will that doesn't require witnesses. So you know, you can also do a will kit from Staples. You can use a platform like Willful. There's so many ways to make a will. And really, I say, you know, your budget and the complexity of your situation is what might determine the, the path that you take. And there's no wrong answer. Uh, and we have a Learn Center on our website that addresses all of the common questions. And that's very agnostic. So you can decide whatever way you choose to get it done. Uh, but you can always, you know, empower yourself with more knowledge, similar to what you were saying about Stance's website and how we try to educate people there as well. Sarah, do you have a will? Oh, I knew this question was coming and I was hoping by now the answer would be yes. Unfortunately, not yet. Hopefully by the time this podcast airs, I will. I met Erin and before you know we, we had her here on the show, we had a talk and we commented when our chat was over that it was just like having coffee with a friend. And 
Because of the pandemic, I now have a weekly Zoom call with friends from all over Canada. And it's really interesting because pre-pandemic, we wouldn't have talked every single week. But now we're embracing this. And let me tell you, we talk about absolutely everything. We've talked about our salaries. We've talked about wills. So many topics have come up. So my point here is, if you're not talking about these tougher topics with your friends, you're missing out because you get unique perspectives and you share resources. Um, So that's my experience. What about you? Do you have a will? Yes, I, I do have a will, but I'm in the process of updating it. Why? Well, lots of reasons. I mean, over the years from the last time that I did my will, um, I acquired more real estate. And so you have to make sure that you're constantly updating your will to, to reflect any new assets that you have. But mainly because I've learned from being the executor on my mother's will, how the process works. And, and it made me go back and look at my existing will to make sure I didn't miss anything important. It's been a real eye-opener going through being an executor. Uh, It makes you think about what will happen when you go. I'm thinking about how is this going to affect my daughter? I don't want things to be ambiguous for her. I have the opportunity now to make sure it's smooth experience because as we all know, dealing with the loss of a loved one is already so difficult. If we can do our part to ease some of that stress for our loved ones, I mean, why, why wouldn't we? It's interesting, you know, I'm learning so much in these conversations and I'm thinking back to when I lost my father and sitting with my my sister, my brother and my stepmother in a room and just watching my stepmom kind of make all of these decisions a couple of days after her spouse had just died and I thought, oh my goodness, I don't know if I could ever do this. So this conversation has proved to show me just what an important document to will is. And what I really like about it, you talked about changes. I like knowing that making a will right now doesn't necessarily mean it's set in stone forever. Exactly. I really like knowing that I'll have the freedom to make changes as my life changes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Do you think parents should discuss their will while they're alive with whoever they've chosen as an executor? You could see how that could open up Pandora's box where yeah, you've got, you know, let's say you've got three kids and you make one of them the executor. I find that sometimes, you're right, they're not asked to be the executor. They're put on as an executor. And then, you know, you've got the other siblings that, why wasn't I chosen? Do you think it's valuable for someone if they are in the circumstance of having kids? Do you believe that the parents should speak to them while they're alive about the will? Well, I would probably share Lisa's opinion here when I say, yes, absolutely. And I'll put a caveat and an asterisk on that, that you don't have to discuss the nuances of your wishes that are contained within the will. I think the important thing is to to say whether one does exist, where the kids can find it, and also those other things that have nothing to do with the will, like do you have life insurance and and where can I find the policy? What do you want done with your Facebook account and your digital footprint after you pass? How can I access your your digital accounts? And how can I honor your legacy through your funeral, your celebration of life, any charity work that you want to be continued after you pass? Those are the discussions I think that really matter. 
And I have adult children asking me all the time, I don't want to bring up wills with my parents because they'll think I'm just after their money. And I always say, don't open with, do you have a will and am I in it? Open with, hey, you know, I'd really love to chat with you about what you want your legacy to be because I know I'm going to be the one in charge of honoring those wishes and I want to make sure that I do right by you. I love that, right? Honoring your wishes. Um, I'm going to say one more thing. Maybe you guys may think this is a bit crazy, but as my mother was on her deathbed, I said to her, oh, mom, where did we bury Nanny? Which is my my grandmother. And my mother said, no, you know, she was cremated. I said, yes, but where's her urn? Oh, no, you know what? We decided to bury that in the, back, in the backyard. And I said, excuse me? My grandmother is buried in the backyard. And so <laughs> we we all <laughs> chuckled a bit. But But then after thinking like, wow, did my grandmother ever tell her wishes to my mother, right? Like if my grandmother knew that she was buried in the backyard of a house that my parents don't even live in and my parents are, as you know, my mother's passed away and so is my father. Um, I'm not sure if that was carried out. So that is, I like the way you put that. That is, that's critical is to making sure you, you fulfill the legacy of that individual. No, that's, that's a great point. And I wanted to touch on something else and, and, Lise, you talked uh, about changes and um, the fact that you had a will when you were married and now, you know, you're a single mom, your your circumstances have changed. So what does that look like where, you know, your your life completely, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know if our spouse is still going to be our spouse. Um, so, so what does that look like from your perspective? I mean, again, from through my professional lens, the only constant is change. And, you know, Kim, it sounds like you've had a particularly, uh, let's say, educational year of 2020, right? That's just like rife, rife with opportunities to learn. And that doesn't sound compassionate. I have a lot of compassion. It's like, this has been a huge growth year for people. And I think it sounds like for you in particular, I think that what comes out of that kind of tragedy and loss and grief and learning curve is the only constant is change. We we get attached, like so attached to the way things are. And when we really wrapped up in that attachment to one particular end or finite point, we are endlessly setting ourselves up for disappointment. When we can shift into this notion that things change and evolve and iterate and flow, that's what they're supposed to do. That's what that's what life is about. It's about this flow and constant growth and evolution process. Then we can start to realize that like, yes, circumstances absolutely change. And when that doesn't feel as scary anymore, but that just feels like the way that it is, then suddenly when your life circumstances change, you now have um, more of an action plan. It's like, okay, my circumstances changed. It's very emotional. It's very heavy, or maybe it isn't. It's very beautiful. It it has a lot of emotional or kind of like ethereal qualities to it. And then there's this other side, this like really stoic energy side that means like, and what do I have to do? Like, what kind of action do I have to take? So for me, and you know, going through the transition from being married to not married, it was like, okay, I had a will. I also had, you know, an insurance policy that looked like this and it certainly doesn't look like that anymore. So I think it's just a matter of being really honest, stripping away the shame. Are you surprised that I said that? Like stripping away the shame of it, really leaning into accepting and letting it be how it is and then responding accordingly. So at least I, I feel like you're the first person who said it, that 2020 is the year of effed up silver linings. 
And I have been using that statement for months and months because it's so true. Um, so one other thing that I wanted to touch on, and I'll leave this to both of you to, to share your thoughts. So our society, especially for women, works in milestones, right? Your engagement, your marriage, your first house, your first kid, maybe your first pet. And in my opinion, I think we really need to change that narrative. Um, and as women, we need to start educating ourselves earlier in life and not waiting. You know, I am really obsessed with the notion that like, ain't nobody coming to save you. I can, I am worthy of attention for a bridal shower. I am worthy of attention for a baby shower. But like, if it doesn't fall into a few very select um, and usually like patriarchal uh, milestones, uh, then I'm not really worthy of celebrating, right? And like, I am obsessed with the fact that ain't nobody coming to save you. Like this life is your own. And, you know, we we have this narrative and this story of like, oh my God, what if I die alone? It's like, you're going to. Like we, we come into this life alone. We exit this life alone. So maybe it's time we just get really comfortable in being alone with who we are and really sitting in that. And part of that means celebrating what feels really good, right? Making this, like detaching from this concept that was kind of sold as a bill of goods, that there's a one side fits all approach to life. There isn't. There is an infinite, infinite size fits all approach to life because it is your own based on your own truth and your own experiences and your own gifts, like all of those things. And to really embody that and take that notion of like, this applies to me because it resonates for me. You know, this, I, I find meaning in this, therefore it belongs to me. And then even something like a will that's like, there is no should. There is no set of parameters. There's only what feels good and resonates to you in the way that it makes sense to you. It didn't maybe make sense to you when you were 28. That's okay. You didn't do anything wrong. Probably didn't make sense when you were 35, 36, or 30, 37. And also, that's totally cool. Like, you know better when you, you do better when you know better, right? And it's like, if it makes sense for you now, because now you are more informed and now you have more tools, therefore more responsibility to really sit in that level of newfound power and make it your own and do what feels good to fully make it your own, right? Like this is a conversation that with so many other things in life, it applies to you because of the meaning that it has for you and in the way in which it resonates. Lise, uh, Sarah and I go back all back and forth talking about it all the time. And I said to Sarah one day, and she's like, you're exactly right. I said, if you're not looking after your own money, who is? Like, who's really looking after you, right? You're looking after yourself. And so we bring that into your financial affairs, but it's really important. Sometimes people think, okay, wait a minute, my husband can do it or this person can look after it. And that at the end of the day, you know what? You got to look after you, right? Whether you have a partner, whether you don't. So I just wanted to make that comment. And just as kind of a closing thought on that. So do we all agree that as well as engagement showers, bridal showers, baby shower, we should have promotion showers. Like, should we have career showers? I think we should. I've been trying to push for will parties, but I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> like the Tupperware. I love it. I'll come to your will party. <laughs> it's like wills and Botox. Just like get, get them in the door. <laughs> okay. In the after times, we're having a will party, everybody. Before we, we sign off, Kim and I wanted to thank both of you so, so much for coming today. We'll start with, uh, with Aaron. For our audience, where can everyone find you uh, on the web? Yeah, so people can find me at Erin Burry on pretty much every social platform. And uh, our site is willful, W-I-L-L-F-U-L dot C-O. Yes, and Lise, where can everyone find you on all the social? 
Um, LeaseWilcox.com is the hub. L-E-I-S-S-E-W-I-L-C-O-X. Uh, I'm active on Instagram every day um, at Lise Wilcox. I too am on TikTok and I have nine followers. So Erin, maybe I'll see you there. <laughs> I'm a lurker on TikTok. I have made a total of two very embarrassing videos. But, uh, but yes, thank you so much. This has been just an incredible, enlightening and very very strangely comforting conversation. Uh, who'd have thunk it? Talking about wills can be very comforting. Um, so thank you both for that. And uh, and I guess I guess that's a wrap. So Kim, one of the many things we have in common is our love of animals. I feel like in another life, we're running an animal sanctuary somewhere for rescues. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, now we differ a little bit. You have dogs, I have cats, but but we can we can get we can get along. We can uh, reconcile those differences. <laughs> I love all animals. Just to be clear, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you've said some things about cats that make me doubt that. But okay. So I was talking to my closest friend recently about writing my will, and I asked him if he would be willing to look after my cat Pluto, who you know is so special to me after I pass away. And I think his immediate reaction was, stop talking about dying. And then the secondary one was... A normal, a normal, a normal reaction from people. Totally. That's where we've got to, that's where we've got to sort of stop this taboo that people feel like they can't talk about it, right? Yeah. But that's a perfect example, right? And like Erin said, when we were chatting, she said, she said, you know, I don't talk about death every day. I talk about being prepared. So it, it's interesting when you flip the script a little bit. So his secondary reaction was, you don't need a will. I can just I can just take her. And I said, actually, funny story. No, that's not necessarily true. So um, that's a long winded way, Kim, of me asking you, you're you're updating your will. And I know you have three beautiful dogs. Is there something in your will about your dogs? Absolutely. Let me just go back to my mother. I keep talking about it, but it's still very fresh because it was only two months ago. So my mom and dad both had the dog and it was my dad's dog. And then my dad passed away seven years ago. And so then it became my mom's dog. And then when my mom got sick, she couldn't look after the dog anymore. And thankfully, my nephew took the dog. And thinking about that, it could have turned out to be a different scenario if my nephew didn't take the dog. Looking at my own will and my own three dogs and, you know, who's going to look after them. And it's not just putting in a will that Sarah Z is going to look after my three dogs, right? You actually have to ask the person to say, before you put it in the will, you know, are you are you willing if something happened, you know, if Sandy, that's my husband, if something happened to us together, you need to ask that person or would they take that obligation on? Because it's a big obligation to take three dogs. So, you know, it's not as easy as, as just putting it in the will and naming somebody got to leave some money aside. They cost money, these dogs. So bottom line as well for the pet lovers out there, get a will. And if you love animals, definitely make sure to follow Willful on Instagram because they post a lot of cute pet photos, dogs and cats. So there's something for everyone. Thank you for listening to the Take Back Talk Back podcast, the podcast where we open real conversations about women, finance and confidence. At Stance, we want women to confidently take ownership of their finances through open and informative conversations, just like this one. You know what we don't talk about enough? The sneaky ways we lose money. Everyone is always so quick to blame coffee, and I have to say I'm sick of coffee getting such a bad reputation. I love coffee. I live on coffee. 
Please don't come for my coffee. There's something worse. Account fees. So many of us pay up to 20 bucks a month just to have our money in the bank. I have a word that could describe this, but I work for a bank, so maybe I'll just say it's poppycock. There is an alternative. EQ Bank doesn't charge monthly fees, transaction fees, Interact e-transfer fees. There's no minimum balance, and you earn a high interest rate on every dollar. Skip the bank fees and have your coffee. The Take Back Talk Back podcast is brought to you by EQ Bank, Money Well Banked. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect those of Equitable Bank. Any information provided is for information purposes only, and Equitable Bank makes no representations as to the validity, accuracy, or completeness or suitability of any content. You should seek the advice of a qualified professional or undertake your own research before making financial decisions. This podcast is produced by the phenomenal team at Quill. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify.